What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to MMA Daily. We have a very special show. We're going to be covering two big cards taking place in the UK. So why not get it started with some great UK rock? My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Kayla Beatty. I like it, G. I like it. Hey, MMA fans, you guys can follow me at fangirl underscore MMA. How are you, G? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been another busy week in mixed martial arts. What about yourself? I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, I've just been having a productive week so far, so that's always fun. Right. Well, this week's episode, the month of welterweights begins. So we're going to start by recapping UFC Chile, which obviously got the ball rolling. We're going to discuss. And then we're going to finish it off by previewing these two big cards. You have UFC Liverpool on Sunday and Bellator's big 200th show from London. So definitely a lot of love to the UK if you're listening from across the pond. But Kayla, let's get it started. UFC Chile, Damian Maya versus Kamaru Usman. This one, you know, first off, credit to Damian Maya. We know that he stepped up essentially on a month's notice to replace Santiago Ponzinibbio. Kamaru had a good performance, but give me your thoughts on the fight. Yeah, I'm glad he started it, uh, you know, saying that because it's true. We do have to recognize that Damian Maya stepped up and uh, supposedly a lot of people are avoiding a fight with Kamaru. So I think that that was cool that he stepped in. I know it was a fight that Kamaru was wanting for a long time, so I'm sure he was very excited just to compete with Damian Maya. Um, now, yeah, I agree. I, I understand why people are were a little, um, I guess, less enthused about you know the performance and how the fight went. Reading that stuff before actually watching it, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the pace was better than, you know, people were were making it out to be. Um, But as far as the fight goes, you know, I agree with most people. I think that um, it's just frustrating, I guess, to continue to see Damian Maya, uh, you know, fight and continue going into rounds the way he is. And... I don't know. I know that some people were putting some um, of the responsibility on Kamaru uh, as far as making it an exciting fight, but he is going against a guy like Damian Maya, and you don't want to get trapped, you know, on the ground with someone as dangerous as him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Can I ask you a question? What was there? Some, can let me ask you a question. What did you expect Kamaru to be able to do in this fight? Because we talked about how good of a matchup it was for him stylistically. What did he not do that you were expecting he would be able to accomplish in that fight? Well, that's what I'm saying is I think that, you know, it's hard to go into a fight and when someone's just throwing stuff at you like that. Like, that's why I always defend Tyron Woodley, too, you know, um, or at least like his fight with Damian Maya. There's only so much you're going to be looking for that win. So sometimes it's not going to deliver this exciting fight that fans want. Um, do you feel like more of the... I guess responsibility of the fight being an exciting one. Do you think that more responsibility of it not going that way should be put on Damian Maya? You know, um, no, it's really, that is a great question. And it's a difficult one because the answer is one that's not going to sound great to a lot of people listening. The fact is it's a combination of a lot of things. 
for one, I think considering the circumstances, Damian Maya came out tough. He actually was more active in the first round, which I really loved seeing because I was saying that if Damian Maya is going to shock him, he's got to take the fight to Kamaru and he's got to make Kamaru fight defensively because being patient like he normally is, is a one-way ticket to taking another loss. So I liked his start. He came out tough. He ate some big shots and wore them well. That being said, for Kamaru, I really thought he'd be able to do more. I said it before the fight. I said it in last week's show. Kamaru was better on paper than Damian Maya in every category possible besides jiu-jitsu. Everything else should have gone to Kamaru Usman. Now, he gets a little bit of leeway. I do believe that he broke both of his hands, like he said in the fight. And Damian Maya did come out tough. That being said, for a matchup that was supposed to be very one-sided, the fact that it was very slow did not do him many favors. I don't think, I don't know what you expected Damian Maya to pull out. I think closer to the third round, you saw that it was going to be a runaway. I thought that Kamaru was about to get it done in the fourth when he really hurt Damian. But the fact is, it played out very differently. And I do think it's a combination of Damian's toughness, the hands of Kamaru. He didn't want to overly wrestle Damian Maya if he was winning on the feet, regardless, you know, under the circumstances still. So I think it's on a lot of different things, but it wasn't just Kamaru and it wasn't just Damian, the reason why it wasn't the most exciting bout. And I had um, about that too. We, you know, I know people are waiting to hear if his hands really were broken, but when something like that happens early on in a fight, it is kind of a bummer because obviously the fighter isn't going to be able to compete like he, he wants to or she. Right. Um, let me, t- I want to take this one first in terms of what's next for Kamaru. I felt like under the circumstances, and yes, once again, I'm saying I understand the hands and I'm giving Damian Maya credit for coming out there like a warrior, like he always has been. But I felt if Kamaru can just go out there and destroy Damian Maya, knock him out in a round or two and just dominate, I would be saying to you right now that Kamaru should not settle for anyone less than the winner of this coming fight with Wonderboy and Darren Till. Because the fight played out the way it did, I hate to say it because I know that Kamaru is on a great run, but I think he just kind of stays in the holding pattern. I don't think he impressed me enough. And once again, under the circumstances, still, he, if I'm UFC and if I'm thinking like a business, I'm not overly enthusiastic about seeing him against a Woodley, a RDA, Covington, Wonderboy, all these guys coming up. So I would tell you that he didn't need Santiago Ponzinibbio if he destroyed Damian Maya. Because it was slow, I think they're going to look to still make the Santiago fight and then see how he performs there. But let me ask you, what do you think should be next under the circumstances for Kamaru? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that's what was such a bummer about this fight is that he was on a nice, exciting run and had that momentum going. But I agree. I think that fight with Santiago has to come and or has to actually happen, um, you know, be rebooked. And it's it's going to be difficult because both of them now. I'm not that before, like, you know, when they were matched before, they were trying to steal each other's shine. But I think that. In this case, if the, that fight does get booked again, 
um, and Santiago gets a big win, he's going to definitely steal a lot of the momentum that, that Kamaru had going on because, you know, he was calling out uh, ranked guys, uh, top five guys, calling out even the champ and getting some response back and, and some fans behind him. But, um, yeah, just kind of a bummer about uh, – I don't want to say bummer. It was still a good fight. It just, you know, when it's a main event and you're a little – it's a little lackluster. It's kind of disappointing. But there's other exciting fights on the card. Yeah, I mean, and also uh, eight-fight win streak for Kamaru. I will say this. If injuries start to happen in the next few weeks, I would stay healthy. I mean, obviously, we got to wait okay. on the hands. But really, just um, uh, stay ready if you're Kamaru Usman because I really think he's in a good place to sneak in if something happens. But, um, yeah, I think the matchmaking is a wait and see. But, really, I think that, like you just said, is very disappointing because you win eight fights in a row. You really should be thinking about a top three guy, not a five to ten. But that's really where he's at, which I think is just um, – The fight It's a lot of different guys involved. Yeah. It's a, there's, no, there's no favors given out. Moving on to the co-main event. This one um, – Un, not surprising, but I think just still notable for its breakout star. Alexa Grasso versus Tatiana Suarez. Alexa, like we talked about, kind of one of these next generation stars that the UFC sees potential in. But Tatiana, former tough winner, just lights out start to finish, gets the job done. What did you think of Tatiana's game? Yeah, I mean, her game was, was amazing. It was awesome. I think that, you know, she played it well, uh, you know, just putting on that pressure and keeping it constantly making Alexa be on the defense and, you know, throwing, using her power, her strength, her wrestling, but other skills in there to sink in and get that uh, submission. But yeah, very dominant performance. Um, it, it would have been nice to, you know, I think with both ladies, I was wanting to kind of see and assess where, they've evolved in their career since we last saw them fight, but obviously Tatiana wanted to prove that she's definitely evolving and wanting to move within the rankings and get that title shot. And I think that she's definitely an exciting fighter for the, the division. Yeah. To me, I think that um, stylistically it was always going to be uphill for Alexa. We know that Alexa has very crisp boxing and everything else. But against someone like Tatiana, who just knew how to use her size and physicality, I think it was just a little too much for her. Um, Kayla, strawweight, I, I, I always say this. I think out of all the women's divisions in MMA, strawweight is the most fun. For sure. Especially in UFC. It, put, it, put it this way. At lightweight, the men, all of them still haven't fought each other. At welterweight, they still haven't fought each other. At strawweight, literally all of these women, we're so lucky. We, they've all been matched up. And Tatiana is kind of like that breath of fresh air. She's someone new that we're starting to see. Um, looking at the top 10, um, Felice Herrig is right there ahead of her right now. Michelle Watterson is right there. Who do you think might be next for Tatiana Suarez? Man, um, let me pull up the rankings. I mean, maybe a Michelle Waterson. I was going to, at first, I had forgotten that she had recently, recently picked up a win and, and looked good um, against a girl that had that size advantage, too, in Casey. And Michelle was able to 
you know, surprise of most people and, and, you know, be the more dominant fighter. So I definitely like that one. I think that, um, that could be an interesting fight. Let me see who else is in the rankings. Who do you think? Yeah. Be? Um, I like the Felice Herrick fight. I think that's a fight that stylistically would be a lot of fun. Both women like to go out there. Um, great grappling, improved striking for Tatiana versus a solid background for Felice. I think that could be a fun matchup. I think that, like, right now they have Tatiana at number 12. I think that she doesn't need, I think she could look for a bigger fight. I don't think she needs to take on number 11, Ronda Marcos, or number 10, Courtney Casey. I think that Tatiana can push for a bigger fight. And you think that Felice Herrick is that one? I think so, because when you look at Felice, she was a girl who we thought is about to become part of the top three before she lost to Karolina Kovalkiewicz. So I think that that's a big fight. I think that people sleep on Felice Herrig a lot. Um, Michelle Watterson is a perennial contender. I think that Tatiana is on that track to get those fights. I think that anyone else would just be a step back after beating Alexa the way she did. Yeah, it was just a dominant performance. So I agree. I think uh, Felice, I, I like the Michelle fight, um, but, you know, instead of having her jump too far up in the rankings, I guess, yeah, Felice or, or Michelle would be good. Um, and then, you know, depending on how her performance is with one of them, she might break into that top five. Certainly. Also, it's something to keep in mind. You're about to have a lot more action in the strawweight division. Claudia Gadea versus Carla Esparza is going to happen. Tisha versus Joanna Jacek is going to happen. You're going to get a more clear picture of the top five by the time Tatiana gets back in the cage. So that's something to watch is just her more potential matchups will be figured out if she gets a W in the next one in terms of how fast she might get to the title. Moving on to some main card action. Veronica Machado versus Andrea KGB Lee. Um, Kayla, I was pleasantly surprised by Veronica's toughness. And Andrea Lee, I think she had a very nice debut. Uh, Look, she would have loved to knock her out in one round and say, I should be the one challenging Nico Montano next. Instead, I think we got a very comprehensive look at Andrea's game. And I think that also served a positive effect for the fans. What did you think of the fight? Yeah, I completely agree. I actually think that this was my favorite fight of the night. And the reason is, is, um, you know, I think that both ladies just showed a skill set that makes me excited for them to be part of this, you know, newer division. Um, yes, I think that uh, for sure, Andrea Lee had a, an exciting fight, um, you know, and, and she it's just fun when you get someone in there that wants to be so creative and, you know, throw in the ax kicks and all those knees. And she just looked like she was having fun in there. She looked comfortable. She just looks like a UFC fighter. She's definitely someone that, you know, is seasoned. So it was really nice. I think, like you said, just to see three rounds of her compete instead of a dominant performance. Of course we liked those ones like a, like a Tatiana, but it's just nice when you actually get to see a fighter display all of that. And that's why I also enjoyed Veronica as well. I think when it's, it's great for divisions to of course have well-rounded fighters, but it's also nice to have a few people thrown in there that have, you know, a stronger skill set in one area. And though Veronica spent, you know, maybe more time than I wanted her to in the last couple rounds, 
trying to get the fight to the ground. Um, you know, I'm excited just to see her compete against and see some of that groundwork because, you know, I enjoy that G. I definitely do. I always see in moments too, that videos. Were... Yeah, I was going to say, I always see jujitsu videos and I make a list because I think for Christmas, I'm just send you a compilation. <laughs> um, and she rocked you know... her with that head kick too. I think it was in the second. Like she had some nice moments in there as well. I agree. I think uh, what I loved about Andrea Lee, just her aggression, she got out there and was willing to put it together with the knees, with her Muay Thai. Um, I think the thing about Andrea Lee is that she kind of, how do I describe it? You understand why she should be a big deal. Like, I'll, I'll say it like it is. You see her in all these promo pictures, half naked with her cowboy hat on and pretty much nothing else. Cowgirl the Yes, and, and <laughs> okay. she's very, a very cute little hat. I'm not going to lie. You know, she doesn't rock it as well as you would, but, you know, you got to give her credit, Kayla. And, um, yeah, I think that uh, Andrea, she's someone who I think that when you get past that and you see her real just skill set, that's probably going to be what gets her those big fights, which is my next question. Obviously, we're waiting for Nico Montano, and I hate, you know what? I still think Valentina Shevchenko is number one. Where do you go next if you're Andrea Lee? Um, let me see. I mean, I yes, I, she does. She has that star quality for sure. She already has a large fan base to where she can get these bigger fights, these bigger names, and clearly can back it up if that's the way that she's going to be competing. She showed us that she's not all talk or just a pretty face. But I also think that the UFC, you know, should be smart about, uh, you know, the way that they push her. I've, you know, how we've noticed the, the way that they've done, uh, worked with Mackenzie Dern I personally think that this is another fighter that they have that, you know, star quality that they should really like match these fights well for her. Or maybe, um, let me see, let me see who's in the rankings. I just don't want them to make mistakes like they did with Mackenzie Dern, where I think that, of course, Andrea Lee has a better skill set than Mackenzie Dern and is a little more seasoned, but I still think that they should be, um, you know, just cautious with the way that they match her, how often she fights. What do you think? Yeah. So my thing about the flyweight division is that um, I think that Andrea, she's similar to Megan Anderson. She kind of just on her body of work outside the UFC leapfrogs a lot of women I, I'm looking at on the rankings. I think, and I'll tell you this one, the one that stands out to me that could play the spoiler, Jennifer Maya. She makes her UFC debut in July against Liz Carmooch. But the thing about that is Jennifer Maya is the woman who is really right now regarded as the number one flyweight. It's just she was later to get to the UFC. She was defending her title in Invicta. I feel like if Nico and Valentina is the next step, Jennifer versus Andrea for the number one contenders fight comes afterward. Because I think that you want to have a competitive championship. And quite frankly, you're going to need to get these women in there because that's why you signed them. So I think that Andrea Lee has more experience than Mackenzie that you can match her up a little better immediately, if that makes sense. 
even against some of the killers that have been or that are currently in the division, like let me see. Can I remind you of something? It's gonna pass the Roxanne. Andrea Lee is I put it this way, you talk about killers. Andrea Lee is one of them in my opinion. Um did I was gonna say um Roxanne beat Andrea, isn't didn't she? Uh-huh. Yeah, she did. I mean, maybe a rematch. I think that could be fun. I think that uh, those type think... of fights happen before she gets, you know, jumps to title contention. That's what I'm worried about is I think that, you know, she's now in the UFC facing tougher competition. I know that some of these ladies, they've been around for a while. So, yeah, maybe she has fought a few of them. But I think that's what I'd be worried about is them throwing her into that, t- getting that title shot too soon. I say that have her at least face a couple, like one or two girls in the top 10. All right. All right. I'm with it. I think she's right there, though. I, I Put it this way. If all goes on track, she's getting a title shot late next year at the latest, I feel like, if she stays on her track. We shall see. Um, there was a lot of fun, Kayla. Uh I always like shouting out when another Gabriel does well in mixed martial arts and Gabriel Benitez with his slam finish in the prelims. <laughs> nice one. Um, did you see the Claudio Pui fight that ended by Nibar? I didn't get to see that one, no. That one, um, it, it won a performance bonus, but, uh, and I think I've told you this, if not, I tell a lot of other people. I always say I don't get excited when someone goes for a Nibar. Because everyone in their mama does it at least once every fight card, and they never complete it. Claudio getting beat for two rounds, pull, goes for the knee bar, and finishes it for the submission. You know what? Props to you. Great finish. Well-deserved bonus. So, a fun night in Chile. I think it had a lot of different stuff. It wasn't the names we expected. We wanted Vulcan Uzdemir and Shogun. That was supposed to be on the card. So disappointing in terms of the star power, but I think a lot of guys and girls delivered. So I'm good with it. I agree. Moving, moving on to MMA news. Okay, so top story. UFC arrives in Russia. We're going to wait a minute for Fabrizio Verdum because I have a very important question I want to ask you about that, okay? Okay. But UFC announced they're going to be touching down in the country they're going for a fight night in Moscow on September 15th. An important note, it is a fight night, not a pay-per-view. So all the rumors about Connor versus Habib in Russia would not take place on this card. So that's something. Um, yeah, just really, Kayla, I guess, what do you think about the UFC making this expansion, first of all? Well, I think it's huge. I think that a lot of promotions have wanted to jump in and grab and you know, jump in that market we obviously know a lot of the politics um have come into play but it's nice to see that they actually have come to an agreement i think that it's going to just be very big for mma the country is obviously you know a huge fan of the sport um and yeah i think that the russia just pumps out a lot of mixed martial artists that are super talented so to start seeing them fight in their home um, it's going to be very exciting. I do think it's interesting that they're starting with a fight night. I hope we get a little bit more details on why they're doing that because I think that's where some of the politics come into play or the pricing comes into play. And that's going to be interesting to see if we, um, or if those numbers are going to be released and if it's going to upset anyone. 
Um, I'm going to do a bit of fan theorizing. You want to know why I think that it's an it's a fight night in September? Why? I believe I believe they thought they were going to get Conor McGregor back about that time frame and they were working on making it a pay-per-view originally. I think behind the scenes Conor is not as enthusiastic about going to Russia now. I think he's looking to go to Vegas or maybe back to New York. And that's why the UFC wants to go there. They already booked it. And I think behind the scenes, the economics and the business, they still had to debut in Russia in September. It's just now that Connor's not involved, they're not going to go with the pay-per-view that they don't think they could load properly at that time. So I think that's why it ended up being a fight night, not a pay-per-view for their first one. Um, From what I've heard, the venue is the fourth biggest one in the world in terms of indoor arena. So, yeah, they're they're very confident. As I understand it, Russia is not on what you would call free TV. It's more like on a premium channel like HBO over there. But what I've heard also is that for the original Habib-Tony fight that was supposed to take place last March... They actually renegotiated the deal because this was going to be such a big event with easily the biggest Russian star since Fedor. So I think that that just shows the hunger in the market. And of course, now it's a fight night and we thought we had a main event. Um, Kayla, you told me something last week that I love and I've been using. What was do you that? Remember, do you remember how you said Mackenzie Dern is in detention? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if Mackenzie is in detention for missing weight, what is Fabrizio Verdum in after this latest possible infraction? He's suspended. I mean, it's, I just... um. So, of course, the story, Fabrizio Verdum was supposed to face Alexei Olenek in the main event of the Moscow fight night. It came up today before the show that he has been flagged for a potential doping violation by USADA. Um, It was an outside competition test, but that does not change the fact that if he is found positive, that removes him from the fight, which it looks like... All signs, I think, are saying that it's going to happen. A lot of guys are flagged for potential violations, and they're removed from the card before it happens. That's just how this works, because it takes time to investigate. I mean, Kayla... um, the homophobic slurs, the um, the Reebok stuff, just now this. I, why I always bring it up. Why does it feel like Fabrizio Verdum just can't seem to get out of his own way? I don't know, but I think that you're exactly right when you say that. It's just he keeps. Um, he was just getting on the right track, almost winning you over G to where you were. Um, you know, at least just more open to saying positive things about him. But yeah, it's definitely a bummer. I think this was a fight that <clears throat> right now especially could have sold, um, you know, after seeing Alexi's uh, last performance, um, you know, having him pull off submissions in the octagon that no one's ever done before. And then facing, you know, a veteran Fabrizio Verdum. I mean, this was a great fight that luckily for us wasn't um, promoted for too long to get everyone excited. But um, it's, it's just disappointing because I just don't know why, you know, if this was intentional or, or even if it wasn't at this point, like he's been around for so long, 
Um, within the last two years, we've seen people, you know, um, get the ultimate punishment or get such backlash when something like this happens. So why would you still think that you'd be able to get away with something? Or why are you not being cautious about, um, you know, what you're taking and, 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 um, you know, ingesting into your body. So it's just disappointing. Um, and I think sadly, he might fall into that group uh, where there's a bunch of champions like an Anderson Silva, where, you know, you're not, you're not getting any younger. You don't want to be suspended to where your last couple fights are just terrible because you had so much time off because of things like this. Yeah. To me, I think that the ultimate pass he got was when UFC reinstated him as a analyst. I really felt like that one he was not doing the right moves that would make me say I want him representing the brand on television. So the fact that UFC gave that to him and now you have this is really just, um, I, I, I really just don't know. I, I think that um, at the end of the day, I think that's just who he is as a person. I don't think he takes the other parts. of the, I, I think he takes his training seriously. I don't think he takes the respect that you're supposed to have for the business seriously. Like, for example, if I know that it is my job, put it this way, we have a show and I'm being promoted by a barbershop. I understand that I have to tell you that this barbershop gives me the best haircut every time I walk in. That's just how this business works. That's how selling and all that. I feel like Fabricio just doesn't get that you can't say and do these things and still expect to get the company treatment, you know? And I think that that's something that just at the end of the day is who he is, that he just doesn't care for it. That's why it keeps happening. Um, there is still going to be a fight night. Um, let's think about a few names. Alexei Olenek is a big one to stay. You do have Alexander Volkov. Doing well. He's also Russian. Valentina Shevchenko, but I think she's waiting for Nico, probably in the U.S. Um, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. There's still a lot of guys and girls you want to see on the card. Is there someone in particular you have in mind? Um, I mean, yeah, I think Valentina eventually going over there would be great because it's a fight night. We obviously know the title shot won't happen there. So I think, yeah, like a name like a Zabit. Um, I think he has some really nice momentum going to where he would get fans excited and, and deliver a great performance. Um, I don't know. We'd have to look at scheduling, but this was, to me, this was a really great fight that would have uh, been a nice headliner for that card. So that's why that's so disappointing. Um, yeah. I, I will say also, Kayla, I've noticed a lot of fighters have been talking about the Russia card, non-Russian uh, UFC fighters. And they're like, yeah, I actually feel like I get a lot of fan support on social media from Russia. So I think that's a nice sign that, you know, you don't have to be Russian. Put it this way. A good fight card is a good fight card. It doesn't have to necessarily always be loaded with your local talent. So if these guys and girls really want to go over there and they're exciting fighters. I think the Moscow card is going to do well regardless. I think so, too. I think fans will just be excited that the UFC is finally making their um, or putting on shows there. Yeah, um, this one, um, another one. I don't know if we need to suspend detention or just have a parent teacher conference. 
Chuck Liddell announces his return to MMA, and one of the fights he's discussing is a trilogy with Tito Ortiz. So earlier, um, I want to say last week, Chuck went on the MMA hour to discuss his return. This would be his first fight since 2010. And if he is, his plan is he's saying he's talking to Golden Boy, run by Oscar De La Hoya, about possibly fighting in November. And his number one pick for an opponent is Tito Ortiz. Kayla, obviously Chuck is a legend. He's accomplished a lot of stuff. What do you think about him possibly coming out of retirement? I think it's sad because it sucks that someone, you know, is so passionate about a sport and loves it so much. And to where, you know, he feels like he can't live without it. And I think that, you know, in the last couple of years, he has tried to be a part of it in other ways other than actually fighting. And maybe that's, you know, not always the best for everybody because it makes it almost worse that you're sitting cage side um, or ringside and you're not able to compete. But, you know, it is a big concern because he's someone that's taken a lot of damage in his career. And I just think that it's dangerous because, yes, it's his life. So maybe if he does continue to fight and ends up, you know, getting brain damage or something like that, that's going to be it's it's his choice, of course. But it's not anything I think fans want to see that anyone any promotion wants to be a part of, I would think. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that he's someone you know, 48 is pretty old in the MMA game and there might be a couple of fights for him um, like a Tito if he's down, even though I think Tito Ortiz should stay retired too. But um, I don't know. I I know there's like a a wave of older veterans fighting like in the Grand Prix or for certain promotions making like a second run. But I kind of, I think that these two guys should just find either other things that they're passionate about or stay, you know, on the sidelines as a manager, as an analyst, as something like that. So the inside scoop that I've been receiving for more than a year from people who are around Chuck in the gym is that he's actually been trying training about for a return for a long time. As I've been told specifically, um, he has been getting into fight shape and essentially gauging if he feels like, you know, he has, you know, if he feels interested in fighting again physically, I guess is what I mean, is that he's been trying to see like, you know, could he do it? Could he get himself in a fight camp? Could he get him, you know, does he feel like he could do it? That's what I've been told for over a year now about what's been going on with him. I think that, um, like you said, he clearly loves this sport. I think that Chuck, is a guy who kind of fell into no man's land a little bit. Um, He's not the kind of guy who expresses himself in a way that I think makes him a great analyst. So he's not really a TV guy. I think that he's not a guy who gets his fulfillment out of the seminars or the appearances. Um, If you remember, he was recently on like Celebrity Big Brother and stuff like that. I just think that that really you know, that's just kind of filler for him, like you said. It's not really what gets his, sets his soul on fire. And I understand, you know, this is a very real thing. There's nothing that compares with the adrenaline rush of actually getting in the cage and winning and all these other things you used to feel. That being said, I feel like, look, 48 years old, 
his chin really wasn't doing well at the end of that run almost 10 years ago now. I really think that he needs to be saved a bit from himself. I really think that the people close to him have to say that, like, I just, I, I can't support you in this. I can't help train you. I'm, he needs the people who care about him to say, this just isn't a good idea anymore. And I think that's the hard thing to say, but I think the evidence is just there for him. And realistically, like, who will his opponents be? If he's going to fight for a brand new MMA promotion that, you know, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy are putting together, who's going to leave Bellator or, you know, um, the UFC or other promotions to come fight there? So who is, is Chuck Liddell even going to be able to headline like a, a card where he'll make some money, where he'll get this promotion going? If anything, I think people that have, you know, this uh, similar feelings like we do, not wanting to see Chuck fight, I think is a bad business move for Oscar De La Hoya because, you know, you see one or two uh, knockouts, um, you know, seeing Chuck fight uh, way too old and, and not being able to take it in his chin, not being strong. Well, all of a sudden now everyone's going to be hating on the promotion that let him get out there and, and you know, make this decision. So I just don't think that it's a wise, you know, decision for either um, him or Golden Boy. Yeah, I think that Golden Boy is looking for someone that everyone knows to help them headline. Like, for example, you remember Affliction. They really were just, you know, Donald Trump was running it before, obviously, you know, politics and all that. But the real hook was that they had Fedor Melianenko after Fedor was done with Pride and didn't sign with UFC. All that, I think that when these guys or companies are just serious about getting into the MMA game, they're looking for that star like, okay, who could we sign that could help us really get attention? And like you said, there's not really a lot of people outside, you know, who are going to leave Bellator or who are coming off a UFC run that are saying, I want to be in Golden Boy. And I think that's why the Chuck thing has any momentum, if that's to be believed. So I think it's something to keep an eye on. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, or like, why not try to partner with someone like Bellator or One Championship, who, where you know that they have fighters that are interested in boxing and maybe make it a boxing and MMA event. Like, it's just, you know, there's so many better ideas instead of having a 48-year-old, you know, veteran legend of the sport go out there and you know, continue to make, uh, prolong his career when it should be ended. Yeah. So I think, um, look, it's supposed to take place in November. I am sure we will have some more stuff like just twists and turns to the story before then. But, um, until then Chuck Liddell possibly exiting retirement. I hope just at the end of the day, all parties involved. I mean, just do what's best by the person, not by, you know, the bottom line or the money. I think that if you're really serious about being a fan of Chuck Liddell, bring him in in another capacity, but don't make him fight just because you need somebody. There's there's someone you can find that's in better shape too, rather than Chuck Liddell. Moving on, Miss Kayla Beatty, we are here for UFC Liverpool. Now, obviously the UFC has been in the UK several times, but I don't think... I don't think they've gone to Liverpool yet, or if they have, it's not one of their most frequent destinations when they go to the UK. 
They're coming with another big welterweight fight. Steven Wonderboy Thompson against Darren the Gorilla Till. This is a very fun fight, but it's got some different twists to it. What do you think of the matchup? Yeah, super fun. Um, there, There is. There's so many twists to it. Um, we have Steven Wonderboy Thompson that... I think has more experience, you know, fighting and fighting, uh, you know, top guys in his division, obviously facing the champ already two times. Um, but you know, there are people talking and discussing how he has some injuries, injuries that people are, um, you know, worried about how did he jump into that fight too soon? Like has, is he all healed up? Then you have Darren Till, who is the bigger guy, Obviously looked well against Cowboy, but I think that this is really going to show us if he's the real deal, if he's this new wave of MMA, you know, not only if he can take uh, Wonder Boy out, but in what type of fashion. We need to see him, you know, face a skilled guy like Stephen Thompson. But I think right now I'm kind of leaning more towards Wonder Boy. I just think that, you know, in the, his level of competition, he's faced guys like Darren Till, who are super dangerous from a South Paul stance. Um He's just gone against, you know, uh, let me pull up some names that he's fought. Yeah. I mean, he's gone against, yeah, like a Jorge Masvidal. Um, just uh, that division stacked with different guys who with different styles, and he's been able to break those down. So I think that experience will probably get him the win. But I think that Darren Till um, is a fighter that, you know, is just new and exciting. Yeah, um, to me, when I look at the fight between Steven and Darren, I feel like Steven, um, stylistically, like, they're both great strikers. They both have a lot of confidence there. I think that Steven does his best work countering and making his opponent come to you. Darren Till is the opposite. He's a forward pressure guy, and um, he's got that size and physicality. And I, I like to say this, unapologetic confidence He's right in front of Cowboy against the cage, and he's still dropping his hands, still inviting that, and just really doing work. I think that's why he's a very fun contender to watch. That being said, I I don't know if he's ready for that big leap up to take on Steven at this stage. I think that, like you said, Steven's um, experience and everything else really just bodes well in his favor. I think if Darren Till is going to get the victory, he's got to really, he's got to be lights out. Because with his strategy, people have gone knocked out several times by Stephen Thompson. So you really have to be disciplined with your defense. You really got to cut those corners. And he's got to use his size. They are literally virtually identical height and reach. So he's got to take advantage of that against Stephen Thompson. But, of course, anything can happen. Miss Kayla... Uh, who do you predict to win the fight? I'm thinking that it's going to be one Stephen Thompson, but by decision. Five both guys are going to be. Yeah, I think that both guys are going to be more cautious just because they're not going to be sleeping on each other. And I think that um, Stephen Thompson is just he doesn't want to lose this one, obviously, because he's coming off of those fights against the champ. But I think that he's going to be a little bit more cautious with his strikes um, to where he probably won't get the finish against a tough guy like Darren Till. What do you think? I think I've got Steven too, 
uh, I personally feel like it, when I look at it, one of them has to go down. Like if they just stylistically are those kinds of fighters, but I also am feeling like their toughness and their skill level almost cancels that out, that it will go to decision. I think that Steven outpoints him. I think that Darren has not had to figure out someone like Steven Thompson. And I think that Steven has seen guys like Darren Till before, um, if not in the octagon, just in training. I feel like he's got someone there to mimic Darren well enough. I have Steven also, but I feel like third or fourth round finish. I think he just finally catches him and puts it together. All right. Um, certainly a very fun card. There's some other fights going on. You have Neil Magny returning to action to take on Craig White. You have some other local UK talent. So it's going to be a fun night in the UK. Something also, Kayla, what I've heard is that the in soccer, the Champions League is also having their final in Liverpool. So... The, what I'm hearing is people are saying this could be one of the most exciting sports weekends ever in the city. And I think that's pretty fun for the fans. For sure. That's going to uh, just create even more fun energy. Um, moving on, Bellator is celebrating their 200th event. This one obviously took a hit with Mirko Krokop out of the fight with Roy Nelson. But you still have middleweight champion Rafael Carvalho taking on Gegard Mousasi. Kayla, this, I think, is a fight a lot of people are sleeping on because they don't know about Rafael. But I think this could be a classic. Both of these guys stylistically could bring the best out in each other. What do you think of the fight? Yeah, I think it's um, definitely stylistically an exciting one. Both guys are very good on their feet. Um, it is. It's unfortunate that Rafael isn't known better um for you know just his his dominance since going to bellator and before that but um and i love that he's showing the respect of knowing that he's going against a top guy like gaygard who's obviously been around um left the ufc on a nice win streak streak and has faced top guys top middleweights around the world but i think that it's going to be cool because it's going to see both guys pull a, a lot out of each other um, I do think that I have a little bit more confidence in Gegard just because of the level of competition he's faced, but I don't, I'm trying to remember, I meant to play back his, uh, debut in Bellator. Um, I don't know if he is going to be one of those guys. It, we've seen a few UFC fighters jump down or move, move over to the Bellator stage. And for some reason, I feel like they kind of need a few tune-up fights and I'm kind of from after watching Gegard's debut, I kind of feel the same way about him too. It's almost like, I don't know, maybe he just needs to get more comfortable with being with a new promotion and how their fight weeks are different, whatnot. But um, I think that Rafael is not sleeping on Gegard, so I think he's going to be really prepared for him. I think I see this fight going to decision as well. I think that both guys um, are just pretty elite strikers so I think it'll be a high-paced active fun fight but I think I see it going to decision and still champion oh okay I really thought you were good I thought we were gonna be um split on this one I'm going with Rafael Carvalho also the way I see it is that um uh, when I when you talk about that first fight with uh, Shlomenko for Gegard I think that he wasn't ready for Shlomenko's power 
I think that um, Shlomenko had a strong finish. Um, and of course, Popeye, too. Yes, he did the damage to the eye, which really affected things. Kayla, in my opinion, when I look at Rafael, there's very few guys. I'm trying to think of even someone he reminds me of. He's a little bit like Edson Barbosa if he was, you know, 50 pounds heavier, just powerful kicks, powerful striking. And I think that's what really helps him. He's a veteran of the sport. He's got great composure. And when he connects, he's just got this finishing power that's very impressive. I think in a fight with Gegard Mousasi, Gegard has to do has to close the distance, use his boxing, and get the fight to the ground. I think there is his best bet because it neutralizes the striking of Rafael. But for Carvalho, I think that a steady diet of leg kicks is really going to take effect on Gegard Mousasi. I think that it could turn into Jose Aldo Uriah Faber, where Gegard's game just deteriorates over time because he's taking such big hits. And I think that's really going to bode well for Rafael. I think that um, Gegard is tough, but I also see Rafael taking a decision. All right. We're in accordance. Yep. Also, um, and I want to go back to Liverpool in a second, but with this one, there's a lot of fun stuff. I think that um, it's tough for Bellator because I guess, how do I even put it? They have so much going on on this card that they almost don't even have enough time for it on the Paramount Network. You have Michael Venom Page returning after a year to take on David Rickles, former champion Phil Davis against Linton Vassell, and Anastasia Yankova, who's been in a lot of controversy. She comes back to fight tough veteran Kate Jackson. I mean, what are your thoughts on just the undercard for Bellator? Yeah, it's definitely a statch card, and I think the reason why is it's their 200th card. They know they have a big UK um, audience. Maybe they're aware that, um, or, or no, I'm sorry. I thought you said the soccer thing was in Liverpool. But either way, yeah. I think they just wanted to make this big, this show big um, because it's their 200th show. Um, they knew that they had some fighters scheduling wise that, um, you know, have big fans in the UK. So why not just make it a big show and um, compete with the UFC? I mean, they, they're having it on a good night. There's no UFC action till Sunday. So a lot of fans, I think, are going to be able to tune in. And even stateside, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, playoff basketball isn't even on that on this coming Friday. So I think it's going to be something the ratings are going to be very interesting because I think this is the biggest indicator. How big of a star is Gegard Musasi for you guys? I think that's the big question. Kayla, or you champ, Rafael. Yes, 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 yes. I think um, I've spoken with Rafael. He's a nice guy. It's just like Douglas Lima. Sometimes you need to get that big win for guys to really, for the fans to really respect you. So I think he's going to get it. Um, Talking about some more fun stuff, Kayla, a certain maverick, Mr. Michael Chiesa, is making his analyst debut for... Liverpool and of course it always brings up the question is he gonna have to talk about the yo mama thing I (laughs) I think that if it comes up in discussion during a fight um maybe there's going to be a disrespectful uh, move made by a fighter of not shaking hands throwing a sucker punch it might um you know 
make him reminisce and those feelings of being disrespected when someone started talking smack about his mom at a press conference leading to a fight? I, I don't know. I feel like that one, um, I feel like someone is going to tease him about it. Like, uh, they're just going to say something. It's like, I didn't, I mean, don't take it that way. Okay, Michael. And I think that they're going to get some teasing, but I think that's a very cool one. Um, a tough veteran, a uh, tough winner now at the analyst desk. It sounds like he's somebody who's really been pushing for it. So I'm excited to see how it goes. It's just interesting that we're starting to see a trend more and more of fighters jumping in and taking um, these analyst positions. I think that uh, everyone knows that the fight game has to end eventually inside the cage. So, you know, what can you make a lot of money doing? And also, as an analyst, you don't have to retire. You can be an analyst forever. You know, just it depends on where you're at. So. I think guys and girls see it both just as an opportunity to just have something when they're done fighting. They just want to get that opportunity now and get it started while people still care to see them at the desk. Whereas, let's say he retires five years after that, people aren't going to be excited about seeing him there. But because he's still in UFC, that's when you really want to get started as an analyst. So I think it's a great move. Definitely. But yeah. Don't Ms. take Kayla. Oh, right. Well, I was going to say, Miss Kayla, it's been a very, it's going to be a very busy week. What do you have going on? Um, This week, I'm just going to be focusing on training, watching the fights. I have Sparstar. We have Sparstar coming up in the next couple of weeks. So preparing for that. Um, and yeah, just working on some of my epic footage. I did have a successful um, reporting gig at Epic Fighting. We saw some of their fighters um, that made their debuts with Epic grab titles. So more and more of those interviews will be popping up on their social media. If you want to check it out at Epic Fighting, G, you were missed. I didn't want to say, I was tempted to text you because I was watching everything on Instagram and I was just like, no, just that. I, I just figured that would be a bad move, but I was watching. I saw Trevor did well. I saw your clip with Juliana Miller. I can see just, um, Kayla, you just really blossomed so much in that role. I'm so happy for you. Aw, thanks, G. But yeah, um, I will have some more interviews. I'm working on getting some people finalized, but some names that you might be a little familiar with so that is always fun and yeah just really continuing on we have spar star coming up i want to say two no three weeks i think it's three weeks before we have spar star both myself and now miss kayla Beatty will be working backstage so i look forward to bringing our double act on the road my friend and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Kayla, where can the fans keep up with you on social media? Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they check you out? Fans, you can find me all the time at double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we will be back next week.